A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Now many have become Levitical priests, since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day, as the high priests do, first for their own sin, then for those of the people. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak, but the promise of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son who has been perfected forever. The Word of the Lord. Please be seated and good morning. Um, we've been studying this year the book of Hebrews. So I invite you to turn there in your bulletins or your Bibles. We're looking at Jesus, our great high priest, from Hebrews 4, uh, verses 14 through 16, and then a selection from Hebrews 7, verses 23 through 28. Um, but I'd like to begin this morning with a common dilemma that we all face, and that's this. We have to trust people but people can't always be trusted, right? You ever feel that? We have to trust people, but people cannot always be trusted. So we have to trust people for love, for friendship, for education, for protection, for common goal. We cannot reach common goals without other people, without trusting other people. We have to, in some ways, open up our life, open up, in some cases, our heart or our home, to other people and make ourselves vulnerable to them at some level. Otherwise, if we never did that, our life would be like a never-ending COVID quarantine, right? And that was so hard. That was so miserable. Um, but the thing is, people can't always be trusted. So sometimes people actually betray our trust. Novelist Stephen King says this, the trust of the innocent is a liar's most useful tool. Sometimes people aren't lying, but they mean well. They just let us down. They just couldn't fulfill the promises that they intended to make in good faith. Have you ever learned this the hard way, that people can't always be trusted? It's such a crushing experience, and everything in us when our trust has been let down or hurt or betrayed, wants to close up after we've been let down. And our number one goal in that instance becomes safety, 
stay home, save lives, stay safe, don't trust again, right? But what happens then? We get cabin fever and the fear of missing out overcomes the fear of getting hurt and our longing for connection and adventure and growth rises up again. And so we venture out and we open up and it's only a matter of time before the trust gets broken again. And the cycle continues. In the words of the late Presbyterian minister Frank Crane, you may be deceived if you trust too much, but you will live in torment if you don't trust enough. So what's our way out of that dilemma uh, as followers of Jesus? Um, as I mentioned, we've been studying the book of Hebrews this year, and this was written actually to early Christians struggling at some level with this dilemma of trust. Because after following Jesus, they got burned so bad that they were tempted to go back to a life that for them felt safe and to a faith system that felt safe and familiar. And so in today's reading, the pastor who wrote this book of Hebrews to encourage them um, points them to the one person they could always trust. And he refers to this person in verse 14. He says, we have a great high priest. We have a great high priest. Now, a priest in, in, in the Old Testament was someone who represents people to God and then in turn represents God to people. It was a very important thing that this person in this role be very trustworthy, right? If you're going to have someone representing you to God, you need to trust them. And if they're going to represent God to you, you got to trust them. Um. If you had a priest like that, it was great. It was great for you to have someone in that position. Um, but there's a great high priest that this pastor describes um, that is not only worthy of trust, worthy of ultimate trust, he's also been through the same dilemma that you and I are in. And so right now, he has grace and mercy available to all of us who are trying to navigate the dilemma of trust. So we're going to look at why is this high priest worthy of our trust, and then what are we going to do about it? Okay, so let's consider the first reason that he's worthy of our trust, and that is that he's gone higher. He's gone higher. Verse 14 says this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. The high priest in Israel, in uh, the people of God in Israel, in the Old Testament, could go where no one else could go. He actually could pass through the curtain of the Holy of Holies that would separate sinful people from a holy God. And when he passed through the curtain, what he was able to do is he was able to make atonement for the sins of the whole nation. So um, he was able to actually go into the presence of God without being killed. If anyone else tried to do that, they would instantly die. And so it was a really big deal if you had a great high priest, a high priest who had uh, the capacity to pass through that curtain for you. It meant that you could have your sins forgiven. And if you had your sins forgiven before a holy God, that meant that you could be pardoned and redeemed and that you could live in peaceful fellowship with a holy God rather than under condemnation. Now, Jesus is our great high priest. He went further and higher than any high priest in all of history. 
he actually went through the curtain of the heavens and passed right into the center of all reality, right in the center of all of heaven, and that is the throne room of God. He passed right into the pure and holy and powerful presence of God the Father and was seated at the right hand of God the Father. Um, Now, if you and I tried doing that, we would instantly die if we went on our own merits. If we tried passing through that curtain to talk to God directly and be in his presence directly, we would die on our own merits. Thankfully, we have a great high priest representing us at God's right hand. So don't miss the implication of this. Let us hold fast to our confession. That is to say to everyone who's discouraged and everyone who's wanting to stay safe, don't let go of this great high priest. Like hang on to his wrists with all your might and go straight into God's holy presence. Let's say that your best friend got elected mayor of the city of Chicago. She's risen higher in status than anyone else in your circles. When she gets elected, that is precisely not the time to let go of that friendship. You need to hold fast to that relationship, especially in this town, if you want to get anything done. Um, now, the early Christians were tempted to let go of their connection to this great high priest because following him had been costly. It had been financially costly, personally costly. In some cases, it had cost them their freedom. They were imprisoned. It had cost them belonging and status. They felt pushed to the margins by following this great high priest. Now, here's what this pastor's doing, who's, who's, who's giving us this imagery. He's encouraging them like, Jesus Christ actually went higher than anyone else that you know. And so this is precisely the time to hold fast to him. In the words of uh, biblical scholar David De Silva, he says, joining the Christian movement has not pushed believers to the margins, but rather has brought them closer to the divine center of the universe in the center of God's will on the doorstep of Zion. That's what the high priest has done for them and for us. And that's one of the reasons that we can trust him above everyone else. He's gone higher than anyone else. But there's a second reason we can trust him is that he's humbler than anyone else. He's humbler. Um, Mary Barra is the CEO of General Motors, one of the big three automakers in the United States. Now, uh, Ms. Barra began her career at General Motors as an 18-year-old college student working on the assembly line, checking the fenders and uh, uh, inspecting hoods. And from there, she sort of like worked her way up and she got different positions in manufacturing as well as kind of office jobs. She had to deal with all of the frustrations of being an hourly employee as well as a salaried employee who was expected to stay late. And then she was raising her kids, so she had to navigate the work-life balance of being a mom and being in a career. And so um, eventually, though, Mary Barra walked uh, into the role of CEO, but not before she walked in the shoes of every GM employee. Having lived kind of the full range of their experience, and now she's able to serve them and sympathize with them. Now, the pastor of Hebrews makes a similar point about Jesus, the great high priest, in verse 15. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ walked in our shoes. 
He lived the full range of the human experience, including physical pain and weakness. So he knows what that's like. He has felt the allure of sin and he had to resist it every single day. Um, he experienced threats to his well-being. He experienced the tension and the uncertainty of taking the next step of his call. He knows what it's like to cry out to God who, that he could not see with his eyes and, and to do so with tears in his eyes, crying out to God for deliverance and for help. And then finally, he experienced something that none of us have experienced yet, but he experienced death, which is in our future. And he's already been there. And not only that, he experienced a very humiliating death, a very painful death. And now that he's been raised to life and he's been exalted to that throne room we were just talking about, he's really able to serve us right now. He can sympathize with us right now. He's the perfect mediator between God and humanity. We might even imagine him this morning praying for us. Father, do you see my sister who's, who's being tempted right now by sin? She's fighting hard to follow me and she's, she's growing tired and discouraged. She's already feeling uncertain about whether or not like it even matters to continue on in her faith. Not to mention today she's running on three and a half hours of sleep and so she's feeling foggy and grumpy. And so let's bless her, Lord. Let's bless her, Father, with a phone call from a friend and a good night's sleep tonight. Let's send our precious Holy Spirit together to, to strengthen her. Or maybe he's praying this, Father, do you see my brother losing hope? He's isolated. He's comparing himself and feeling inadequate. The enemy of his soul smells blood and is ready to devour him. Let's, let's move heaven and earth to get him in Christian community where he can be known and loved and really use his gifts. Jesus Christ carries our human life along with all of its uncertainties and ailments into the very heart of God, into the very heights of heaven. This is part of God's communication. The son telling the father, interceding before the father about the people that he loves and he knows what they've been through. He's walked in their shoes. Now, Jesus Christ has gone higher and he's humbler. Before we say anything else about why he's worthy of our trust, there's an immediate implication that this pastor gives to us in verse 16, and that is go to him. Go to him. Therefore, it says in verse 16, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, friends, have you been burned by somebody in your life? Or are you lonely because there's not enough people in your life? Or are you going through something else that's just terrible right now? A medical diagnosis or a, a, a pain? Or are, are you uncertain about your own death? Listen, you can go straight to this high priest with your needs and your prayers and let him know immediately what you need. You could use loud cries and prayers if you need to. One commentator says this, we have to stop praying like bureaucrats seeking a permit, right? And start praying like children cry out in the middle of the night. You ever heard a child in the middle of the night cry out to you? They're not being polite about it. And so none of us should be... Uh, like holding back our needs and our cries and our tears because we have a great high priest who was able 
to sympathize with us and knows what it's like to be a human being, knows what it's like to be a child crying out in, in, in the middle of the night. And he cares like no one else and he can help us like no one else. So we can be as brazen and direct and as bold and as messy as we need to be before the throne of grace, telling him exactly what we need, right? Have we sinned? Ask for mercy. Are we weak in the struggle against temptation? Ask for strength. Are we lonely? Are we in need? Ask for community. Are we uncertain and not knowing how our life is going to end, what the next step is going to take? Ask him for wisdom from on high and he will give it. Jesus Christ will never run out of strength to serve us. He may understand human weakness, but he's no longer weak. So Hebrews 7, 25, um, tell, which is also printed in your bulletin, tells us that he is able to save completely those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. Now, who else in your life do you know who's like this? Even the most trustworthy people in our life age and die, and they lose the strength to help us. It's one of the hardest things about life is like, God gives us amazing people in our life, but, they, but sometimes they run out of strength. And maybe we'd hope they'd always be there for us. But I, I don't know if you, but I can really relate with the comment that novelist Marilyn Robinson made once in an interview with the New York Times Magazine. She says this, I think people are much too wonderful to be alive briefly and then gone. But the thing is about our great high priest, he always lives. And his ministry to us is as vital today as it was when it first started. He's brimming, my friend, brimming and overflowing with intelligence and energy and life and mercy and wisdom for us. Anyone who comes to God through him will be the beneficiary of that, and it will never run dry. Um, he doesn't care for us. Like one pastor talked about how sometimes we think that his interest in us waxes and wanes according to our spiritual temperature. Have you ever felt that if my spiritual temperature is low, God's interest in me is low, but if it's high, God gets interested? But the thing is that he always lives to make intercession for us. He's able to save completely. And so his intercession for you is as intense now as it, it and maybe you're in a spiritually low point as it was when you were in a spiritually high point. And that's one of the wonderful things about his trustworthiness is that it's just is always so not only constant, but it's always high. And it's always vigorous and it's always full of life and vitality. Um, he's gone higher than anyone else for us, but he's also been humbler than anyone else. Uh, and, um, but we need to know something about the dilemma, don't we? Because st we still haven't figured out what does this mean for the dilemma that we're all in? That we've got to trust people, but people can't always be trusted. Um, there's one final quality of Jesus that I think ties this all together and brings us through to help us understand what we do with this dilemma we're in. And that is this, Jesus is holier than anyone else. Uh, Hebrews 7 verse 26 says this, for this is the kind of high priest we need. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. It's just worth pausing and saying, that there's nothing defiled about Jesus's relationship with you and me. Nothing. He brings no uh, mixed motives 
to the relationship. He will never harm us. He will never betray us. He will never manipulate us. He will never sin against us. He will never mistreat us. We can actually trust him completely because he's, he's holier than anyone else in our life. But the thing is, what did he do with that pure and holy trust? Where did his ministry take him? The next verse tells us, verse 27, is that at the end of verse 27, you'll see this phrase, he did, um, he did this, meaning um, uh, make a sacrifice, once for all time when he offered himself. He offered himself. So the point is, Jesus Christ may have been holy and innocent and separate from sinners. That's true. But that didn't stop him from entering into costly and close relationships with sinners. With his, he put his ultimate trust in the Father. That's who he really trusted. He didn't trust people because he knew what was in our hearts. He trusted his Father, but he walked right into the dilemma that we all face, that people aren't always trustworthy. Um, and he spent his life with untrustworthy people. And they fell short and they let him down and they brought complications and mixed motives and they harmed him and they put him to death in the end. And what did he do in response? He covered their sin. He covered our sin with a final once for all sacrifice. And the fact is that you and I are actually entangled in the dilemma that we all face because you and I are also not always able to be trusted, right? We bring our own sin to the equation. But Jesus loved us still. Our great high priest loved us still. And it's true that, that only our great high priest is worthy of our ultimate trust. Yet because he's covered our sin and is ruling over us, he gives us grace and patience, right? That throne of grace, it's still overflowing for us to rebuild broken trust with each other and to practice patience and love and humility and purity by the power of the Holy Spirit and by grace. Now, you think about the people who are reading this letter. Undoubtedly, you know, they were in a situation where, uh, you know, they had probably broken trust and strained relationships with each other, as often happens when you're in pain and under pressure. Yet because of this great high priest, the pastor of Hebrews could tell them in other parts of the letter to encourage one another while it's still called today and to visit one another in prison and to show hospitality without grumbling and to and honor your leaders. So for us living in 2024, here's a couple of ways that we step into this ourselves, a couple of takeaways. For those of us who are inclined to trust people too much, um, let us this morning, my friends, redirect our hopes and our standards to Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Let's take away, let's let that, let's let his great high priestly ministry take some of the pressure off of the other relationships in our life and lower some of the expectations we have of one another to get everything right all the time so that our expectations of one another are more in line with Jesus's expectations for us. Um, we need healthy boundaries and realistic expectations for our friends, 
our leaders, and our family, and learning those are our journey. For those of us who are inclined to trust people too little, consider that Jesus intends to use sinful people in our life for our good. Our great high priest uses sinful people. He sends his Holy Spirit and sometimes uses sinful people in our life for our good. As C.S. Lewis once said, quote, there is no safe investment. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. So, what does that mean? That means that our relationships with one another, our relationships that Jesus sometimes gives us, are not always going to be 100% safe. Sometimes they will hurt. But, Cutting people out of our life is not always the will of God. That's not always the healthiest, best thing to cut people out of our life. We don't approach the throne of grace alone, do we, friends? We approach the throne of grace together as a community, as those saved by grace, as those uh, overflowing with mercy for one another and for ourselves. And we come with messy and desperate and humble prayers together as a community who have been called together to uh, follow Jesus together while it is still called today. And here's, uh, I think, um, the, the, the irony is that we don't walk through the dilemma alone. We're not left to, uh, we're not left to ourselves. The, actually, the only way, not only through the dilemma, but the only way for us to finish the race well that the race that was started by Jesus is to hang together, to run together, to forgive together and receive forgiveness together, and to enter that hall of faith together, um, forgiving each other and being forgiven along the way. And this is only possible by looking to our great high priest, the only one we can truly trust with all of our hearts, who will, by his grace and mercy, um, bring us home to that safe and heavenly place, the throne room of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's just take a moment to approach the throne of grace together and tell our great high priest how much we love him, how much we need him, and ask for his grace and mercy today. And Lord, you know what it's like to be human, to walk in the shoes that, uh, that we have, to need to trust people, but to know that people can't always be trusted. We thank you, Lord, that you are the trustworthy one that leads us forward. So we pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit now. Give us strength to continue walking in wisdom as well as in mercy. And I do pray, Lord, that... Um, we would come often to the throne of grace together to receive grace and mercy together. And I pray, Lord, that as we look to our great high priest, that we would see Christ in each other through broken vessels. And I ask, Lord, this Lent, that we would grow closer to those in our community and closer to you as a result. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.